Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your time. Show. That's my open. That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. I got to admit it. JD Martinez is really, really interesting me. He's he's an intriguing guy, and maybe it's just because we've been waiting forever and ever and ever to figure out if he's going to sign with the Red Sox. I don't know. And maybe it's just because he hits a crap load of home runs and has done it for a few years now and is going to get a ton of money. And we, we just had, again, had so much time to talk about it. But I, I'll be honest, he, he is an interesting guy, maybe his past um, and and how good he's going to be in the future. But when you have a guy who's sitting here and doing what he did, and we, we've, we've – Gone over it ad nauseum what he's done over the last few years. But still, I mean, 45 home runs last year in 119 games. And, you know, you go back to 2015, 38 home runs in 158 games. Uh, year, then the 2016, you have a, a guy with a 908 OPS. And so he's a good hitter. We get it. We get it. He is the perfect hitter for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, middle of the lineup, and that's why everyone is just assuming they're going to make a run on him. We had a report a few days ago. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, said the Red Sox have a five-year deal out there, and everyone I think sort of said, "Well, that's about right. That's about right for JD Martinez." But is it? Is it really? I mean, uh, here's the thing: I was just looking looking this up. JD Martinez is almost the exact same age, like a few days off, but almost the exact same age that David Price was when he signed his seven-year, $217 million deal with the Red Sox. So that's David Price, seven years, $217 million. No one really said, oh, my goodness, how could you ever do that with David Price? You just sort of assumed that that's what it's going to take to get that sort of player, that level of player. Well, JD Martinez, as a hitter, has to be perceived as that level of player. And if you're going to give a seven-year deal to someone, wouldn't you rather give it to the, the hitter? I mean, he has more of a shelf life, particularly as a DH, than, than a pitcher, as we're finding out 
up and down across the board. But I, I go back to the price thing, and I don't remember everyone saying, screaming and yelling, saying, how, how dare the Red Sox sign a seven-year deal. No, you know, they said, whatever it takes, whatever it took to get David Price. So when, when it comes to Scott Boris and J.D. Martinez and what they're looking for, I, I, would, not, I, I would not blink an eye if all along this has been an at seven-year deal ask. And there's two things I keep saying. This. There's two things I keep coming back to. Number one, you have to understand, J.D. Martinez switched agents from Bob Garber to Scott Boris pretty late in the game. Scott Boris, I'm sure, was telling him, I'm going to get you a seven-year deal. The other thing is, the why was he saying that? Because he's gotten seven-year deals for guys in their 30s before, hitters in their 30s before. So when he goes in the offseason, he's probably saying, hey, you are going to get this deal. We're going to have to wait it out a little bit, but I'm going to get you this deal. And, and he has a pretty good track record of doing it. And you know, when Scott Boris stands on his makeshift podium at the winter meetings, too, he's saying all these things about J.D. Martinez. Well, I think for any team, you're talking about a slugger. Uh, I mean, he's he's just his a 690 slugging. That's when I said King Kong of, of slug. He's, he's just separated himself from the greats, the Stantons, the Trouts, um, all of them. You know, there's a 40, 50 point difference. So, you know, you uh, you want to make a difference, and you want to not only have a player perform at a high level, but accentuate uh, and impact the players around him, uh, both in the locker room and on the field. I think, you know, those it's rare in free agency that we have players of that kind of skill. Well, you know what? I mean, he's right. He's right with a lot of them. And I know that I'm sort of, as I'm talking, I'm coming across as this guy saying, oh, you have to get J.D. Martinez because he's the be-all, end-all. But we have to take a step back and saying, I don't care if it's this year, last year, or next year's insane free agent market. This is one of the best guys and one of the best fits that you can get. Edwin Encarnacion was a great fit last year. We have to understand, if if you have the opportunity to get a guy you pay what you need to, get the guy, and then not worry about it. You have to pay for the certainty. So in going back to my original statement about J.D. Martinez, I find him fascinating. And, and, and I've heard about uh, how he sort of fixed his swing, how he became this hitter. And one of the guys at the forefront of helping him is this Robert Van Skoyak. And Robert is a, was nice enough to join us here on the podcast and I always like talking to the guys who, you know, obviously know more than I do about hitting and, and can educate because we're all about learning in 2008 here on the Bradfoe Show. But, uh, but Robert joined us, and, and he talked about, you know, the evolution of J.D. Martinez and where he was at, how far he'd come, how he got there, like all of it. So I thought it was a pretty good guess. I thought it's, it's a, he was great to talk to, a lot of insight, not only about J.D. Martinez, but sort of where hitting's going in baseball. And if we're talking about timely, this is as timely as it gets. Unless your name's Manny Machado, J.D. Martinez is the guy that every Red Sox fan wants to talk about. It's, it's J.D. Martinez. It's the J.D. Martinez offseason. And I don't think there's any better to talk, guy to talk to as we hit, sit here right now. Other than maybe Scott Boris. Other than maybe a, uh, Dave Dombrowski if you hooked him up to some truth serum. 
than the guy who helped make J.D. Martinez. Here we go on the Bradfoe Show. Robert Van Skoyak. I think I did. I wanted to get that out of the gate because I wanted to make sure if I did it wrong that we had plenty of time to correct it. Was that good? Robert? Yes, you got it right. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Robert Vinskoyak is uh, is uh, hitting analyst. Well, I want, I want to get the formal. Um, well, how do you want to be identified, first of all? I, want... uh, my, I mean, my title with uh, Arizona is hitting strategist, but I mean, kind of like, I don't know. I think my title is kind of, I'm going to cover a wide range of things. That, you know, I think what I do is I help identify problems, whether mechanical, whether approach whether uh, whatever and um i you know help identify like solutions and help uh help hitters fix them so that's kind of what what i guess my job is well and obviously one of the one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you because one of the hitters you are uh known to have helped fix is a guy who's on the minds of a lot of red sox fans around here jd martinez but but robert i'd also want to just talk to you about hitting as well um, just about where the game is going. We hear about launch angles, and we hear about approaches, and, and you have some pretty good examples of guys you worked with. But I do want to start with sort of your history with J.D., if I could go on back to uh, how you guys met, how you guys hooked up, um, and, and sort of what you when you first met him, what, the, what kind of hitter he was, and, and what kind of hitter did you think he would be? Um, when I first met him, I actually saw him take batting practice. Me and Craig, who's been my mentor, Craig Wallenbrock, um, we were at batting practice. But, uh, I think we were out there with a guy from Houston. We, I, we had to see um, JD take batting practice, and we kind of like spotted him as a as a candidate for you know a guy that we thought that that like we could help. And um, and so you know we saw him. We saw a lot of raw uh, talent with a bad swing. And so we thought, you know, hey, he's a guy that, you know, he'd be kind of interesting. And then when he came to us, uh, just to be pretty blunt, he was a bad hitter. He wasn't very good. And I think, I think the numbers showed that. But his, um, his hunger, his desire, his uh, work ethic and intangibles overcame, you know, a lack of technique. And um, pretty quickly it was obvious this guy, he could be very good. And that obviously ended up being true. So, <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's, and, and so what year? What year was that about? What year? How? how 2013. 2013. Uh, okay. He called Craig uh, at some point in the season, and I met him his first day at the cage, which was shortly after the season ended. And you know, his his desire, like, to be a very good player, was evident. Um, work ethic. I mean, he wanted to stay at the cage. We'd start at 10 a.m. and finish about 2 p.m. or even later. And um, he just, yeah, I mean, it was obvious he wanted to try to get it right and spend the, you know, and spend a lot of time on it. And uh, he's, he's, he really hasn't stopped working since, in all, in all honesty. Well, Robert, so I, um, I talked to Dave Magan, who's obviously Diamondbacks hitting coach. You know him. And, and I want to read you a quote that he gave me. And I, I want you to tell me what sort of jumps out at you. And I'll, I'll sure. you know, uh, preemptive strike, this quote is going to say a lot of nice things about J.D. Martinez. So, but I, I'm going to ask you what, what sort of jumps out. So he says, I love talking about J.D. Martinez, the high character, great clubhouse guy, 
Great personality. He's always in a good mood. He laughs at himself. You can joke with him. He stepped right into our team and into our clubhouse and fit in from day one, which is very hard to do. Everybody knows the numbers he's put up over the last few years and the adjustments he's made with the swing and all of that. But he was stepping right into the fire, and he asked to hit right behind Goldschmidt and produce. This guy, it was a joke what he did. Just his dedication to being great. He doesn't want to be just good. He wants to be great. He wants to be one of the greats, and his work ethic backs it up. Add to that his personality, his character, and his will to win. I've been around a lot of good players, good people, a combination of the two, but what he did on the field and what he did in the clubhouse, I've never seen anything like that. Now, I, if, when I die, I, I hope that somebody says something as nice to, about me. But, you know, it, it's it, – what well, is it what in all of that, there's a lot to sort of digest there and a lot to pick yeah. through. But anything jump out at you? I mean, the the first one is the work ethic, and that's what that's what no one sees. And most of it is when no one's watching at night and before the game starts and before he gets to the ballpark. You know, like ninety percent of the work's been done, and the relentlessness of his work ethic is second to none. And I've said that before, and I'll say it again. And you know, his personality. You know, he comes from a blue collar family, so he doesn't have a problem rolling his sleeves up and, and working. Um, you know, that's that's how his dad raised him. He was raised, he was raised very well. And he has no problem, you know, by getting his hands dirty and putting uh, the work and doing what it takes to be as good as, as he possibly can be every single day. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think Dave did a great job of summing that up. Well, how, so how, so going back to when you got your hands on him and started breaking down his swing, what is the thing that you – he had to be a better hitter. He wasn't a good hitter. He had to be a better hitter. What is the thing immediately you said, you have to do a better job of, of this? Uh, because one of the things, you know, jumped out at me. I looked at some stats the other day. He was one of the best in the game of barreling up balls last year. And to me, that's a pretty good stat. That's a pretty good thing to hang your hat on. Was it something as simple as that? Or what was the thing that jumped out right away that he um, had to do? I mean, like, that's a really tough question because we had so many things, but – I mean, we just had to start the process that we do with every hitter. It's not, and and I, I honestly can't even answer that because it's not one thing. It's uh, it's a infinite a number of small things. I say it all the time. Hitting is, um, it's like thirty five really easy tasks that you have to do in a sequence, and any one of the tasks is easy, but in that sequence, it's hard to do all of them sequentially. So we just had to start. I mean, we started specifically with the way he loaded and the way he gathered and. Um, and things like that, but I mean, it's not. I mean, it's really not one thing. So to answer and put it on one thing would would not would not be a fair representation of what we did. We just started. You know, we just started where we felt was best, and I, I believe we started with with something with his load. But um, yeah, it was. It's all the. It's all the. It's all the. All the small details, and I think what separates him is those small details and his attention to every little detail. Like with with anything, when you, you when you start to make the the biggest steps forward, when you actually start seeing the results, do you remember when the results were, or hey, maybe it's a moment? You say, "Oh, there it is. There, we're starting to see it now." Or, um, there's a yeah, there's a couple that stand out. I think first one being when I think he emailed in Venezuela because he had no cell service that he hit three homers in the first two games or something. So mm-hmm. okay, well that's a pretty good start. <laughs> um, and I think they were to opposite field, which is kind of, you know, like something with, that we believe in, that guys hit the ball a little uh, deeper in the hitting zone. And so we think the better hitters tend to have power to all fields, not just the pull side. 
Um, that, and then I remember when he sent a video, like, there's one that really stood out when he sent a video in the off season where he showed significant improvement on his own. I thought it was like a big, uh, a big turning point just because it showed he had understanding, he had aptitude and the ability to self-improve and self-correct showed me something that you don't see very often. And, you know, I work with a lot of hitters in the off season and I would say that like, still that's, that's very rare. And that's what I think that was the point where I had, like, I mean, I had full confidence this was going to be a success. Well, well, that's the thing is that, I mean, you know, he, he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he still sends you videos. He's still, obviously, you're, yeah. in, he's still in communication with them all the time. Um, tell me what that dynamic is about because it's all well and good to, to be there and to be present and to have hands-on instruction. It's a little, I would imagine, a little more challenging to kind of keep the process rolling. But is it was it just that you guys have become so familiar with each other that you know? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. He knows. He knows if I say something, exactly what I mean. If he says something, I know exactly what he means. So, you know, we, we both know what, what what we're looking for. And you know, like sometimes it's like where you stare at a uh, at a, uh, a a chessboard and 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 and. And the answer just won't like jump out at you, and um, and then all of a sudden you step away, and then it jumps out at you. So um, it's just a matter of us, you know. You know, I have a different perspective as as is he, and so you know we share each other, we, we share perspectives, and have respect for each other's uh, perspective. And he sorts through the information and, and knows the adjustments to make. What is the most impressive thing that you saw him do? And and you talk about going the other way. I talked about barreling up balls. Um, you know, what is the thing that, that says, and, you know, listen, I, I, I was at the winter meetings. Scott Boris was there. He said a lot of nice things about him, which, you know, he should have. And But some of the things I think really rang true. I mean, this is a very unique hitter in terms of production, in terms of power. But as I said, I mean, he doesn't swing and miss like, you know, you would think a guy like that might. I mean, what is the thing that he does for you that, that is above and beyond? I mean, I think like you said, the things he does on the field are, I mean, they're obvious. Like, you know, hitting balls 450 feet to right center field, there's not a lot of people that can do that. But the most impressive thing is, um, you know, I heard it from the assistant hitting coach, uh, Tim Laker, is in a five-run game in the bottom of the eighth where the game is locked up, his spot's up in seven hitters, he's in the cage working like it's a, it's, it's a, a tie game in the last inning. And so his work ethic, it, it, it never stops. It's, 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 it's relentless, and he prepares for every at-bat as well as you possibly can. That's what's different. I mean, and maybe that sounds boring, but that, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't see it very often. So that, I mean, those things where he's probably not getting up the games, you know, the game's out of reach for the other team, um, and he's still preparing for that potential of bat and setting the next pitcher he might face, and he's down in the tunnel where no one sees him, and he's working on something to in case that at bat comes up, he's not, he's not, he's never caught off guard. Now I want to very, that's very, very unique. Now I want to morph a little bit into the hitting, the, the mechanics of not only with JD, but it's sort of in baseball, but, uh, but starting with JD, what makes his swing so good? If I have a, if I have a 15 year old and I say, you know, I want to teach you how to hit. And I'm going to use J.D. Martinez as the model to do it. What makes his swing so good? And I know everyone's an individual, but for him, like, what what's the thing that makes him tick mechanically? Um, 
again, like the like the devil is in the details with it. Um, he is very detailed. Um, you know, just to give you a general overview of, of of my philosophy, there's certain core principles which I would say um, we initiate uh, the ground forces uh, properly. We use the ground efficiently with horizontal and vertical drive. Um, our swing plane is adaptable and hits in the biggest zone. And um, there's a certain kinematic sequence of the way the swing unfolds that he does very, very efficiently and very, very well. So all those things matter. Um, just, you know, for the, uh, I guess, the average like listener, I'd say he, he hits in a very, very big zone and has a chance for hard contact on a wide range of pitches. Well, okay, that's, see, that's good. I could get that. I can, I can okay, pass. Right. I, I can pass I at least I some, uh, some fancy words. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I I'm gonna have to. There might be some googling going on, but that's okay. Okay. Um, uh, but so, so where, where is now? You know, we talk about hitters and and the uniqueness of his swing, but you know, I think that more and more I'm starting to hear in baseball. Like I, I keep mentioning, I mentioned launch angle like three times. I apologize for that, but. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. But but you know you you're starting to hear that, and in every you know every sort of five years we seem to sort of hit the catchphrases. Now I remember going back, the Red Sox were universally praised for. Oh man, they worked the count so much better than anybody from top to bottom. And then all of a sudden, the owners getting up up in front of everybody and saying maybe we're seeing too much, too many pitches. So. As we sit here right now, where is hitting going? Like where 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 do you think his hitting is going? I, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. You know, I think uh, where it's going is I think we're using more objective information to figure out the results that we want to have. Um, the launch angle thing, you know, there's, like, we can measure it now. And so, you know, the analytics people in baseball have measured it and said, hey, like, why are we telling people to hit the ball on the ground when the optimal uh, run production is in this range of 10 to 35 degrees? That doesn't make sense. And so I think it's shifted. Um, and so like, I think we're using a little bit more of an intelligent way to create our baseball, of, of, uh, our baseball uh, philosophy. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think we're, I think we're going to keep seeing a trend in that direction of using more objective information to either coach the swing or have a plan on a pitcher or, um, you know, just how to improve a player. So I think uh, I think information is where the game is going. What is the information? If you can, if you could grab like one or two things, and you can say, you know, this is where we're going to start. This is like you know doing the Cy Young vote. You know, it's like you know what well, what what stats are you so, prioritizing? What 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 are you? So, it, go ahead. No, yeah. So that I mean, so that's like again, it's not one thing, and I know I keep saying that, and the way that I explain it, like there's this, there's you know. If there's a log jam, right? There, there's a big a log jam. They pay. Um, I, I have no idea what the job title is even called. They, they pay someone to evaluate that log jam and and fly down and pick the one log that that causes that that log jam. Yeah. And pick the correct one, so then all the logs can flow down the river. And I think us as coaches, it's our job to pick the correct information and figure out where he's getting jammed up. So the guy does have a low launch angle, and the swing plane is not allowing him to correctly elevate the, the baseball in an efficient way, then that's what we talked to him about. Um, if 
he is hitting too many ground balls because he is uh, not staying connected with the ground and initiating his ground forces correctly. Then we talk about that. So it just like it just depends on the hitter, and our job is to pick the correct log. You know, a, a question that you know when we were growing up as kids and we we're playing wiffle ball. You know, one one thing we do is we imitate batting stances, right? So, sure. and I don't know if you know, well, a good friend of mine, Gar, he's the batting stance guy. It's, it's, yeah, I've seen him on like YouTube. Oh yeah, he scratches where I itch. I mean, it's 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 right down my wheelhouse. This guy is is great. And so I'm just, but you know, then you see all these different batting stances. So that's what I want to ask you a little bit about. Um, everyone has batting stances. Everyone has comfort levels. Um, when you, when we will look back at some of these batting stances, or we look at some of the batting stances now, how much do you teach of that? Is it, it everyone has to be comfortable, but at the same time, you used to open stances, closed stances, anything you're a big proponent of? Yeah. No. I mean, so I think. You know, I think a stance and rhythm is sort of a personal uh, preference and depends on the hitter. I think what what we do is is we say, okay, here's here's the top here's the top five or ten percent of hitters in baseball, and we're going to examine every little thing they do and find and find kind of like common threads throughout them, and then we're going to establish these guidelines, you know, with these common threads with Altuve, with Votto, with Miggy, with um, Josh Donaldson, with JD, with uh, David Ortiz and, and Manny, and we're going to look at these guys, and they're all a little different, but in some, and, and, and there's a point where they all kind of like look the same, and how do they get there, and why do they get there? That's what we examine, and we're always on the hunt to find the why behind what they're doing, and so then, where if a JD Martinez walks in the cage four years ago, okay, JD, we see um, we see Miguel Cabrera, who we use a lot as a, a, a swing model. We see his hands in this position, and you're in this position, and here's how we think we can fix it. That's the general process. Is we're we're using the elite of the elite as our model, and obviously not everyone's going to be as good as Mickey. Not everyone's going to be as good as 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 uh, a, a Manny Ramirez. But there's certain commonalities that we feel if we hit on, if we hit on these uh, correctly, that what's going to happen is we're going to maximize that individual. And we don't know how high that guy's ceiling is. It might be J.D. Martinez. It might be someone else that's not quite as good that you guys don't know about. But we're going to try to maximize them through understanding these principles that we see in the very, very best players. Why? Well, you, obviously, Cabrera's his, his results are insane. But what is the thing that maybe is subtly that you, he's a guy that you want to maybe build the foundation off when, when, when teaching these guys these things? Is it just his his calm approach? Is it? And I know. You, I, Go ahead. I think I, I think he hits in such a big zone, and his ability to properly drive the ball the other way and hit the fastball as deep as possible, and then have room for error with the breaking ball out front. So he's hit. He's making a, a lot of contact using the entire field and covering multiple pitches at multiple speeds on multiple planes. So examining how he does that is fascinating, and so that's why we would use a guy like that or a Manny Ramirez because they're so good and they've got to be doing something correctly. And, you know, and Manny and, and Miggy, they have different, they have different ways they load, but you know what? The way they initiate the uh, ground force is really similar. So we're going to use those guys and we're going to, we're going to examine every little thing they do and try to learn from that. Um, you know, the, you know, like we don't learn from the 250 hitter with 14 home runs, like that guy. And <laughs> because like that guy is probably not as efficient as Miguel Cabrera or Josh Donaldson. So we try to, you know, you know, and everyone looks a little different. There's different things going on, 
But when you really break it down, there's certain points of connection. There's certain um, there's certain movements that are common that we see in all of them. And so we try to you know say, hey, you're here. He's here. This is a drill that we think can get you there. Or here's a feeling. Or here's a thought that's going to get you closer to uh, this guy. And then back that up with good sound information and data. Well, you come back to that. How, how long he can? How long you can? You go to get the ball deep into the zone. I mean, this is—it seems right. like a simple thing, and you got to be quick with the bat. You got to be quick with your wrists. You got to be quick with everything. So, is—is is that a key element? Um, I would, yeah. I mean, I'd say that's a key element, I, and I would say you don't have to be quick. I think you have to be slow and early, and um, and and the acceleration will come very, very late. Okay. As opposed to swinging really hard and forcing the barrel to hit the ball out front more. I, I think the better hitters are capable of hitting the ball deep out front or in between. And, and Robert, I appreciate you taking the time. Last question is, who was your guy? Like, who, who was your guy growing up? It's, um, you know, like I, I said before, we all try to imitate wiffle ball swings and everything else. Did you have a guy that you said, you know, I, this made me fall in love Piazza. with him? Oh, nice. Mike Piazza as a kid, you know, being from Southern California, watching the, the Dodgers on TV every night I'd, I'd say i'd say mike piazza was a guy and actually you know kind of i guess thinking about it kind of as a kid i thought it was amazing how he, he could hit home runs to the opposite field so uh he was definitely a guy that as a kid i would try to imitate or or, or try to copy yeah he you know inst- unsuccessfully unsuccessfully <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that great inside out swing though i mean that's what i'm talking yeah. about yeah uh well well, Robert, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, and this is great insight, and and uh, I look forward to seeing what you're going to do with Arizona, and uh, and obviously I've already looked forward to, or I already appreciate what you've done with JD and others. So, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Keep your car looking its absolute best year round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy to use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. As America celebrates Juneteenth, join me, Femi Redwood, the host of the Beyond Black History Month podcast, as we continue our special series. To how one man's love helped build a strong black community after freedom. He was just a man that truly believed in family. To how the spirit of Juneteenth connected many in the diaspora. You can find Beyond Black History Month on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.